Welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Krauss, Licensed Professional Counselor. In today's episode, I'm actually going to be talking about music. Once again, it's a special episode about music and stories and narrative. And in this episode, I'm bringing my brother, Tim Krauss, to the show. And he is known as the artist Types with two T's to Types. And also, you can just call it Types. And uh, we have been working on an album which just was released April 17th of 2020. And you can listen to it on all streaming platforms. The links will be in the show notes. All right, Tim, welcome to the show. Hello, brother. Thank you for having me. It's not ever pronounced to types, but you can pronounce it that way if you want. Descriptive grammar is good. Well, when you uh, tell people something weird, they remember it better. No, that's true. It is silly, and there's too many T's in it. I will admit that. Yeah, so um, those links will be in the notes as well. And basically, this is our uh, second time with you on the show. You were a short guest for about 10 minutes on the episode Lifetime at the Piano about our grandfather who played piano for over 80 years and went viral when he was older. And that episode is on the website. I believe it's episode 22, but you can find that on the Intentional Clinicians website. And this podcast is going to be featuring short excerpts of the album we just recorded Mm -hmm. called Motel. And why in the heck did we call it that? We uh, grew up at a motel. Our house is built onto the back of it. And we had goats, and there was a swamp behind us, but most importantly, 10 motel rooms uh, in our front yard. Uh, Random people floating in and out of our lives all the time. Um, Some really cool, some scary, some weird, some... Yeah. So basically your typical suburban existence... Just kidding. Except, okay. a different, <laughs> except a different neighborhood every week. Except, yes, that's correct. It was always a different neighborhood, and uh, we never knew who was going to be there. And while we didn't often have to interact with people, you did, though, because they would check in and out and ask questions and be wandering around the grounds, which were our house. So that uh, is something I've talked about before, as it really colored my early... Um, view on life and my ability to talk to people from all different walks of life and all different cultures because they would all stop there because we were eight minutes away from a major university and about um, half an hour away from a major city, 20 minutes, and an hour and a half away from Detroit, which is a very large city. Um, So we had quite a few interesting people coming through the motel. And uh, basically... In about 2011, I had started writing some songs, and I had written a song about the motel called Motel. And then I had this idea, and I just started getting inspired, like, what if I wrote more songs about life at the motel, and what would that be like? And so then um, you had sent me a bunch of songs, and I saw a bunch of themes that were already sort of about your growing up experience, and I said, can we use these songs? And then we kind of thought oh, let's try an Americana touch, because neither of us had done that type of album before. We, You have recorded music, all different types, electronic, indie rock, blues, blues, choir-inspired, folk. piano, folk. 
Yeah. And I had also done not as many types as you, but I had done a lot of different types of music too. So I thought, let's do an Americana kind of throwback kind of sounding album. And let's use these songs of yours and my songs and these songs of mine. And then that ended up being 15 songs. But I am remembering uh, the the true moment of, hey, we should do an album together. Because you, you had written the song Motel. And then you had this idea of writing a song about Room 5. And in my memory, you had just had the keyboard part of that. You sent it to me and you're like, hey, what do you think about this? And then I just, uh, I don't remember if you asked me to record stuff on it or I just thought it was interesting, so I did. And then I sent you a mix back with a bunch of weird ideas and you were like, oh man, this is really good. And then we can't, like, it was like a, it was an organic thing. It was uh, almost an accident in my memory. Oh yes, because I was living in Phoenix, Arizona full time at the time. And now I'm only there part time. And I was sending you files all the way to Michigan, where you uh, currently live and did live at the time. But did, did you have the plan to make the album before you wrote the keyboard to Room 5? Because in my memory, you didn't, but maybe you did. I don't know. I have, we, the world, will never know. I don't remember, honestly. We'll never know. So I think we should uh, get into the music, and we're going to tell stories about all of these songs and maybe some other random stories as they come up. So this is uh, story time and music listening time. And uh, let's maybe preview the first track. To, uh, this first track on the album was called Good Boy Young, and it was written by you, Types, mm-hmm. also known as Tim. C. Tell us about this song. Well... Uh, like a number of the songs that I wrote that are on the album, it was written during a period of recovery from illness, uh, tying it back into the mental health theme of the podcast. Um, and this song was a nostalgic reflection back to just the simple, like, interactions that you have with adults and other people as a child you know oh he's so nice he smiles he says his name he runs away and plays you know it just the 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 structure of social interactions that you're required to have as a child in retrospect look so much simpler even if they weren't in the moment um so that's kind of the center idea and then i expanded on that from there And yeah, so that's the first song on the album, and we will play a little excerpt of it right now. When I was a good boy, young, with my conscience, running around, folding hands, selling lemonade, flipping coins on a watch, reflected sunset. Yeah, now that we're listening to that again, I'm reminded uh, one of the key images. One of the key images in the song uh, was just all of the gigantic puddles uh, that would accrue in the uh, motel parking lot. It was kind of uh, cheaply and badly uh, uh, 
covered with asphalt, and so we were always having problems with gigantic puddles forming. But as children, gigantic puddles, great thing. Uh, so that's a direct memory of playing in our parking lot. Um, and then, you know, there is an Essie Hinton reference in the ending. If you, It's kind of buried in there if you want to look for that. Uh, but yeah, And there's actually a Great Gatsby reference, but it's much more oblique, so I don't know. Oh, I did realize, you, <laughs> I, I did notice that you... It's like referenced S.C. Most... Hinton's The Outsiders. Yeah. So look for that in the ending of the song. And I actually was going to talk about the music for a second because it has a real nostalgic vibe to it. And I like this one. for fun. It's a lot of fun. And you sing lead because you wrote it. And I sing a little backup. And then you sing some other backups. And then our friend Chris Kennedy, who's like a one-man band in Phoenix, Arizona, did most of the instrumentation on this one. And the thing I like about this song is it starts out like a regular pop song and then it sort of uh, devolves and sort of like it kind of reminded me of like after running in the rain, like the leaves, like everything kind of like circling and like the weather's getting windy and circly, but it's like kind of nice and sunny out still because the song sort of gets into this weird part where you're not really sure where the structure is towards the end. Yeah, the synth the synth was never there until we were ninety five percent done, and the ending wasn't working. And then I was just messing around with it in the studio one day, and I found that synth instrument, and it all just fell together. Yeah, and then there's sort of an existential harmony at the end. You'll see uh, when in, when you listen to the album, uh, hopefully on Spotify or something. Uh, so we won't we won't spoil it, but that's kind of what that one's about, and. Um, Lots of stories growing up in that parking lot with warm rain uh, showers and running around. Um, but since we're on the topic of the motel and growing up in a motel is an atypical thing, except for all the other motel growing up people that are out there, send us an email. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next song in the album, number two, is called Motel. And this song is, just to do a little preview, is basically about different images from the motel that I... Uh, thought about and but also very personal but again like this album is mixed with personal and also personal myth so it's not exactly autobiographical in any sense of the way uh, throughout the album we're kind of mixing personal observations and feelings with myth Um, and so in this album you know there's references to people um, you know making love in the motel and fighting and and different images of people coming in and out, and then also how it changes a family to move into a motel, and how I feel like for me it was disorienting to move from a neighborhood when I was five to a motel where I didn't really have neighbors except for businesses, and I felt disoriented and scared. And so this album was kind of, this song is kind of expressing the fear I had because I realized it wasn't like a friendly neighborhood. I never knew who was around. It was very different. And yet I was near a small town in a university town that I knew pretty well and seemed pretty friendly. So, and then at the end, it gets into this sort of like, I don't know, indie rock sort of ending that kind of rocks out, which is cool. So anyway, we'll play a little bit of that and then we'll have, and you sing back up on this one. And uh, we have multiple friends play on this one. So we'll have you uh, talk about it after I play it. Fate. They fought and made love. 
Yeah, so listening to that just now, uh, it kind of struck me. I, I grew up listening to you cover a lot of other artists on the uh, the piano uh, that our dad tuned. Um, that was built right after the Civil War, um, and used to cover Nick Drake a lot, and sort of the arpeggios in that kind of remind me of him. So if you haven't heard Nick Drake, you should check him out. But yeah. Go ahead. Well, just responding to what you had said before the song, um, I was like two and a half or three when we moved in, and so it was interesting to me initially listening to this song and thinking like, oh yeah, like your life had been much more established before we went there, and this was kind of, you know, I don't, I was so young, I don't have any trauma memories of the move. It was just more, oh, this is weird, and now we have a cat. Like, yeah, you were two and a half. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's true. It was a weird, very weird change. But I guess you didn't really know any better because you don't really remember before two years old. Most people don't much remember much. <laughs> so yeah, for me, I, it, it was marked a very scary time for a little while. But I was always scared about living in a motel. I didn't like it. Um, for years, I would complain about it. And I didn't want to live there. And I want to move into a neighborhood. And then I finally just as a teenager, got really busy and kind of quit complaining about it, I guess. See, I don't remember that. Maybe I just... Well, I wasn't complaining to you. Right. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, Nick Drake, um, definitely one of the artists that really inspired me. It was just like one day, I don't remember, I, I heard one of his songs and all of a sudden, I just was like, oh my gosh, I need this. And it was back in the days before MP3s. And so our dad worked at this music store and also worked by himself but he worked at this music store in lansing and i was like can i please have this for christmas or whatever or my birthday or i'll and he got me the discount so i got the whole box set of nick drake discounted at the employee rate and then i just dug into it and i think his arpeggios even though he plays a lot of guitar in the album and he's a british musician from the 70s um his his his, he's very into interesting weird arpeggios and chord changes and very jazz inspired it but yet folk inspired so i think he's definitely inspired a lot of that song i didn't even really realize it till you pointed that out um it's kind of like nick drake's sort of in a spiritual experience to me listening to his albums and also elliot smith i remember thinking um i think nick drake and elliot smith were the two things that first inspired me to want to actually write music when i was i remember i was like 15 going to high school no it must have been 16 because i was driving and i remember hearing on our college radio station the song tomorrow tomorrow off of xo by elliot smith and i remember just i still remember the moment i remember i was outside the Speedway gas station at that light on grand river avenue and i remember the moment i was like oh my gosh what is this and I was like so entranced that I think I was so obsessed with trying to find it out that I actually called the radio station later that week and was like describing the song. And then they finally were like, I think you're talking about Elliot Smith. And I had to like find it out. And it, it was like this whole thing because we didn't have the internet. I mean, we had like dial up modem maybe when we were 16, yeah. like, but not even, I, you couldn't search for stuff. So I don't remember how I even found it, but I was able to figure it out by going to the record store. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to. I've got to write songs like this because it's just like nothing I'd ever heard on the radio. So anyway, a lot of musical memories. For sure. Well, let's jump into the next song, which is very different, I think, than the first two songs, which is called Colorado. And actually, let's let the music speak for itself and then talk about it right afterwards. 
All right, so that's Colorado. Uh, it's another song I wrote, my friend Sean on guitar, the only uh, song that Sean has featured on in the album, so shout out to Sean McGinnity. Um, but yeah, that's uh, like a lot of the other tracks I've written on this album. It's kind of reflections on what I was personally going through in my life at the time, uh, you know, trying to put my life back together and stuff. Uh, so there's a bit of drama there about relationships and whatnot. Um, but I specifically remember I was having a really hard time writing the chorus. I couldn't come up with anything for the chorus that was any good at all. Um, but I really liked the verse, you know, a lot more straightforward, like kind of blues rock, I guess. And Finn was maybe, my son Finn, he was, gosh, four or five, um, maybe three. He was young. He was young. Uh, he had been talking to you on the phone about how you were flying back uh, to Arizona from Michigan and how you were stopping in Colorado. And he somehow latched onto Colorado like, oh, what, what's Colorado like? And you were telling him about the mountains and whatnot. And I just was playing this song in the living room and he was over in the corner, and he just started going, Colorado, Colorado. Like, he was sing just singing the word Colorado over and over again over what I was doing. And I was like, oh, that's it. And so to this day, if you met him, he'd be like, yes, my, my dad told me. Uh, I wrote, I helped to write the chorus of that song, and I have writing credit on it. Uh, he'll make a point of saying that. Um, but yeah, so it's... It, Colorado plays sort of the mythical role of like a Shangri-La, you know, a place where everything's okay in the structure of the lyrics of the song and, and kind of the, the tone. Um, but it was really just my son making up a nonsense song in the corner of the room. And then oddly enough, our dad used to live in Colorado and used to tell us stories about Colorado when we were growing up, which is actually a true story. So that's weird. And also, uh, yeah, strange how things weave themselves into this album but uh you know it's a very cool song and it's very different and it's very blues rock straight ahead so um moving ahead the next song is one of the singles off the album called small town and uh i wrote this one you helped me a little bit with this one and this is very specifically kind of a fun retelling but also sort of sad retelling of a misanthrope who stayed at the motel and it's kind of a collaboration or an amalgamation of multiple characters who did stay at the motel who had drinking or drug problems yes <laughs> and would be notorious and we would have to call the police and do all this ridiculous stuff and then i remember i remember a moment where i was answering the phone because we'd always answer the phone because we didn't have a phone service it was like our house was the phone service and it had four or five phone lines and i would answer the motel line and i'd always have to answer it all the time which was really annoying as a child but anyway and I remember this lady like kept calling over and over like, where's, where's Tom? Where, or whatever his name was like, where's my boyfriend or whatever. And like, we didn't know what to tell her. And I finally had to get one of our parents to like tell this lady to stop calling. So I kind of mythologized that into like, Hey, uh, check the, the line from the song that I really kind of laugh, like is check the papers and the pen and there's your man. So I mean by that is check the newspapers and the pen the penitentiary and there's your man he's right there he, you you gotta look look in the paper lady he's, he's arrested because he did get picked up by the police well how guy? many i'm I, this is an amalgamation of characters i have no okay. idea if he was the one who got picked up by the police but the police were at our motel multiple times yeah no, i will never forget the guy that went and bought 
went and got crack and was smoking crack in the motel room right after he'd gotten out of jail. Like, the police literally dropped him off at the motel, and the mom had to call the cops on him again because he was having in a manic fugue wandering around the property. And he went over, <laughs> when he heard the cop cars, he went over and climbed up into a sort of like a large shrub or a small tree that was about five or six feet off the ground and was just perched at the top of it as the police were walking over to him, as though somehow being on top of a five-foot-tall shrub would protect him. A lot of things make sense when you're on crack. This is true. So, uh, yeah, this song is more of a fun song, and I, I don't know, it was sort of... I have no idea what musician inspired this. I just wrote it one day, so I have no idea. So I hope you like it.
One thing I did forget to mention about that song is towards the end, there's actually a redemption story, which was another story because I remember one time this guy was holding up a sign that said, hungry, need food. And I convinced our dad to pull over the van and go get him a Subway sandwich or something and bring it to him. And he was very happy and took the food. And so it actually reminded me like, what if this character who we had to throw his ass out, which is the lyrics, we had to throw your ass out so many times, actually had redemption. So there's actually in the bridge, there's sort of this redemption, like you'd finally found your place and you kind of like recovered from all that. So it's actually, I forgot, there's a good ending to the song. So I'm glad we listened to that. All right. So moving on, this is even more shenanigans. I don't know if we did this on purpose, but this song features probably the most shenanigans of any song on the album. Oh, yes, it which is. Which is one of my favorite songs called The Shore, and you can tell about it, but I really wanted to mention that we did grow up eight minutes from a major university, and we went to a lot of schools that were sort of tied to the university. We didn't go to the school where our town that we lived in. We didn't yes. go to that high school. Yes. But that high school had a little bit of a reputation for being at that time in the 90s a little bit more of a redneck type place where we our parents instinctively sent us to more of a white collar environment because of that um and because of that we got exposed to some real interesting cultures like between the rednecks and a prestigious liberal arts university very strange uh uh juxtaposition there and um so do you want to tell about the shenanigans of the shore? Or should we listen to it first? Let's listen to it first. All right.
All right, that was The Shore. And if you listened closely to the lyrics, uh, you will be wondering about my life. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, the brother in that song is not Paul. Uh, Thank you for clearing my name. <laughs> did not get into a fist fight on the beach with the cops or fire a gun at them or die of an allergic reaction. Uh, <laughs> or rat on your girlfriend who's now in jail. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the narrative of the song is largely not true, but it's, it's, a, it's sort of an interesting song in that it was an amalgam of two very toxic relationships I had in my 20s, uh, one with an emotionally abusive girlfriend uh, and another with uh, narcissistic, sociopathic person uh, that there was lots of drug use involved with. And so I sort of I sort of combined them in my head and was like, what if I dated somebody that was a mixture of these two people? Like, what would our lives have been like? And so that's kind of what the song is. And then I sort of I sort of uh, had it take place in the town that we grew up next to. Well, right, you mythologized it with a bunch of shenanigans, which was actually took place, and I like this image, which was the shore was this man-made pond that's a trailer has a trailer park on it on the far end of town. Because the further out of town you go that way, the more kind of country it gets and the further you go to town the other way the more prestigious and sort of i got white prof- collar i got profiled by cops for having long hair <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's how country it is gets a little country out yeah. there so anyway that's that's why i actually played the full song of that one because uh i'm actually i'm only playing the full song about four of the songs but the shore deserved a full listening because you could hear all the shenanigans i loved it all right, so let's move on to the next song, which is called You're My Brother, and I think I'll talk a little bit about this. Tim sings this one, and he wrote it for me for Christmas. back uh, i don't want to get into an argument but I, I think i wrote it for your birthday actually oh well christmas my birthday it was somebody's birthday <laughs> anyway all right any comments about this song uh well i mean this song largely came out of the fact that in our early 20s 
We did not get along very well for a while. Um, and then we started talking again a lot more, and this song was just sort of me expressing the fact that, oh, we're, we're actually talking regularly again after a few years of not. This yeah. happens with many siblings. Yeah, and it's a fun little short song. And it sounds a lot, reminds me a lot of the Beatles, um, but the instrumentation's very different. So I don't really know what to say about that, except I like it. Yeah, there was a little uh, Conrad who played guitar on that. There's a little bit of T-Rex snarl in there, perhaps. Exactly. So let's hit the next one, which is the song Home. And this is a song I wrote, and that was about... It's more a little bit more autobiographical um, because it was about basically moving to the Southwest, which I did after living in Chicago for a while. I moved to Arizona for 10 years straight and had to commute back. And um, so there's some references there to the rain and different things like that. And um, I don't know, it's, it's probably the first downbeat song in the album. It's pretty chill, kind of like a little bit of a lullaby and uh we had a bunch of talented friends play on this um dan julian plays drums conrad plays guitar and bass i play keyboards and you help sing on this song so anyway uh this is home and i'm gonna play a little little bit of it for you away on a rainy day Southwest ticket came And honestly you were whispering my name It don't matter what they say Counting yesterdays And honestly they were whispering my name It's just lamenting that I, I, I did some fake mouth trumpet that I was always very proud of that didn't make the cut. But, you know, the, the, the guitar that replaced it, it's, it's very good. Conrad is a virtuoso. Yeah, I love the guitar on this song a lot. It's very much what I was looking for. It was very jazz-inspired, rainy day, Rhodes piano, which is the throwback vintage piano, chilled out kind of hip-hoppy drums, and uh, interesting harmony. So I, I like it. It was a fun one for me. And it's just very um, interesting. Uh, if you listen to the guitar on this and then go and check out Conrad's band, uh, Conrad Shock on the Noise, he's very much a straightforward, like, neo-blues man. Like, 
playing his blues guitar, singing his angsty blues vocals. And and it's just funny to listen to some of the stuff he did on this album because he just he can play anything. So Conrad, if you're listening to this, thank you and, and you're awesome. And hopefully royalties will be coming in the mail when we sell tons of these albums, which are for sale on Bandcamp. Bye, bye, bye. Or just stream it for free, except we get pennies from heaven. Um, now for something completely different. Which is the song Captured Light, which I think I'll just play it a little bit and then we'll comment. I don't want to preview this one. song, uh, which I think is a bit of a musical theater flair, perhaps, uh, was directly inspired by the uh, takedown uh, that The Amazing Randy did of Peter Popoff in the 80s um, when he went and figured out using something like a cop scanner to uh, catch the radio frequency that Peter Popoff's wife was communicating him. Uh, communicating to him through which, who are these people, if you don't know? He was a famous television evangelical preacher who somehow knew all of these facts about people's lives whenever he would call them up from the congregation. And people, he would claim that God was telling him this information, but really what would happen is his wife would meet and greet and talk to all sorts of people coming in, and then they had in, like really tiny wireless mics in their ears, and she would pick people out of the crowd that she knew were good marks and then tell him stuff about them and he would call them up and she would describe them to him and then he would call them out of the crowd and suddenly know where they lived and what was going on in their life. And then busted. Yes. But also revealing that God is a woman, which is what I thought all along. Okay. But anyway, back to you. Yes. But yeah, so this song was just kind of about uh, charlatans and, and, uh, how people can, you know, truth, to to some extent, uh, if you want, truth is what you look for. And, you know, like the chorus, like, you know, what's the truth anyways? Like, you you know, it's, it's sort of about trying to find like a, a materialist truth in a world of myths that we always live in. So, and from my reaction, bringing it back to the motel theme and kind of growing up, because the last couple songs, we kind of talked about our relationship, which is in the motel. We talked about home being partly the motel in the song Home and in Captured Light. Kind of how I saw this was that we were always getting people that stayed at the motel that were like traveling uh, salesmen, like Willie Loman from The Death of a Salesman. They'd be like selling like weird cleaning products or strange, like, I remember... 
like uh, weird vitamins that did nothing. Like even if at the health food store, we I remember mom bringing like a bottle of vitamins to the health food store and being like, "What are these good?" And they're like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> vacuums and, and and like weird vacuums, uh, strange cleaning products. I, if I already said that, uh, the Schwann people, like just people would try to sell our parents everything. It's like, okay, you're staying here, but please stop selling to us. So yeah, it's maybe, like maybe they were trying to trade, like they're trying to get a free room by giving you a little bit of their product or something. Well, interesting story. My parents did give people free rooms for like fixing up the place, which actually yeah. was kind of cool, kind of a trade barter thing. So anyway, the next song on the album is called Jealousy, and uh, I think we should, it rocks, so let's just let it introduce itself. It's actually one of the longest songs in the album, so I can't play it all for you on this uh, podcast, but you'll see that it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, so maybe I'll play a couple clips of it, but here it is. So this song, uh, like a lot of other songs, is is about a period of my life that was hard. Uh, but basically, it's uh, about realizing you're in an abusive relationship with someone, dealing with that, and then um, the ending of the song is not so much about redemption with that person specifically, so much as just redemption with anyone that you might meet. Uh, because if you choose, love is always at the end of the road. Yes, and so I like how this song goes from being really angry and angsty and like kraut rocky to like majestic orchestral, tons of vocals. So actually, this is one of my favorites for the fact that at the end, 
you have like how many parts singing harmony? Like oh, I don't know. 11 to 12? Yeah, it's a and syncopated. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's a pretty cool, diverse song. I like it a lot. Um, and that's and the other thing about this album is that we really tried to lyrically paint pictures. So we aren't talking about like, I don't know, like, call me crazy, call me maybe, I saw you. It's all very, uh, trying to be a little bit more weird and um, dense and not in the that way, but just sort of thick, thick lyrics. Pictures, metaphors. Yeah. That's what we're going for. Times of the day. And so here's another single off of the album called Building a Life, which got a lot of traction on the online stuff. And this is a real upbeat one, so let's play it. So this song, you'll notice if you listen closely to the lyrics, is kind of about the intersection or battle between optimism and cynicism and, you know, innocence and whatever. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, it was written maybe back in 2012, and so there's a few lines in there that were uh, about social unrest in the streets. There's just kind of a lot of different images going on in it. So I really think this one fits well on the album because it just kind of 
talks about a period of your life, but also it's got so many different images and commentary that it's so nonspecific that people can kind of, for me, it felt like a weaving together of different people's opinions and thoughts that were in the motel. And, and then also it just kind of reminded me of people that were trying to like build their life up again after living in a motel and going through a horrific breakup. We had a lot of people that just got divorced or got mm-hmm. kicked out by their partner and they would come stay with us and like cry to our parents so it just kind of reminded me of that and i thought it was a good fit for the theme of the album building a life so just like we were all doing together at the motel yes and so this next song actually i'm going to talk about before and it does have to do with the motel very much newspaper mountains and uh from the title it does have to do with hoarding absolutely and this one comes is probably one of the most truest stories and on straightforward stories, although the the character I'm singing in the voice of a character who is actually inspired by somebody who stayed at our motel Real for years, for years, literally, who we later found out was a millionaire and left all his money to the Catholic Church, as far as we found out later after he passed away. Uh, But he was a millionaire, and he lived in squalor and had newspapers piled up into his room so much that it was a fire hazard, and our mother had to go clean it out, and he just wouldn't move. He didn't want to live in an apartment. He liked living at the motel, and then he decided to then fill up his station wagon, uh, which was parked out front with newspapers so much that it became an eyesore, and our parents had him go park it somewhere else or get a storage unit or something. But he literally stayed there for years, and he was actually a, a Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. And He uh, used to fly, I remember him telling me he used to fly the cargo planes coming in, bringing shipments of supplies, and he would have to fly through flak. Uh, to land uh, shipments to troops behind the lines. Yeah, so he was a, he was a real Vietnam vet, possibly with some type of PTSD. Uh, he was hoarding. Probably, he was, for sure. He didn't really seem to bathe much. And then the odd thing is that he was also a practicing lawyer in some other state. Um, and he would litigate cases over the phone so much that our mother made him get a cell phone because he was using our phone all day long to call the courthouses in many different Uh, jurisdictions uh, in the other state he litigated cases from, and then he was paid by mail somehow. I don't really exactly... He was a character. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of wrote this song about him, about how he had like a mental breakdown, he didn't want to leave the motel, and then the end is all about having him having dreams. I'm actually going to play the full song of this one, and um, this song... I don't even know what inspired me, but I I actually, upon listening back, reminds me a lot of Steely Dan. So... Uh, Anyway, hope you enjoy it. I've been scrambling, yeah. I'm all not left-handed. Trying to write these briefs for days. So I ramble on now. Tied up in litigation. Telephone wires blind my cage. And I can't stand it. Give me a little more time.
once I left the North Boy A part of me was stranded Feeling napalm day and night No one will ever find me In these newspaper mountains There are too many enemies I can't stand it Give me a little more So this next song, Skymen Space Lights, is a part cover, part original, uh, but it was all in... So this song is about a very strange night in our childhoods. Uh, I was in middle school, I think maybe you were a freshman in high school, and uh, it was the night that Princess Diana got in the you know infamous car crash that ended her life. Um, you were really obsessed with the news coverage, and I was in a bad mood in my room, and was not interested. And then uh, you went out into the backyard and saw some lights in the sky. They weren't even that far up in the sky, though. They, they didn't look weird. like they were. Right. Like it, it could have been an optical illusion. Well, the song but it... is called Skymen slash Space Lights. Yes. And so it was actually August 30th, 1997, the day before Princess Di died she actually died august 31st yeah so she, she had she was gotten in a, coma. In a car crash right. but yeah yeah so um we actually can pinpoint the date of of this origin so anyway you were so i went outside and saw these lights and it was the weirdest thing i've ever saw and i still to this day 
I can remember what they looked like. And it literally looked kind of like a UFO movie with these three orbs very lowly coming over the cornfield to the north um, west. And dad was like, it's a helicopter. It's just a helicopter. I was like, it's not a helicopter. But there was no noise. There was no noise. Yeah. They looked like they were about and the height helicopters would be, but there was no noise. Bless my mother. She believed me and came outside and looked at them and was like, I've never seen anything like this. And I remember thinking, we should get a video camera. And by the time I thought we should go get our video camera, I ran inside and I came out and I did not see them. And I remember telling you, oh my God, there's a UFO. There's a UFO in the backyard. There's a UFO. It's like out in back of the cornfield out there because our motel was actually at the time. Now there's like suburban developments around it, but it used to be near a cornfield. Uh, well, the cornfield was there and now it's gone, but you were not having it. So tell me more about I, I mean, I did, I did go see them. I just remember going you out. Did. I, yeah, I, I remember distinctly already being upset because I did not want to hear about Princess Di. And now you were talking about aliens. So I went back out in the backyard and I looked at them for about 10 seconds and I was like, I don't know what this is and I don't want to think about it. And then I went back inside and went to bed. That's, um, and I yeah. think recently the U.S. Navy declassified space lights videos of unknown objects. And unfortunately, I looked and this was not there. Yeah, it's too bad. But uh, anyway, this is also partly a cover, so we're going to play the sample, but can you explain what you mean by it's partly a cover, partly original? Right, so the verse uh, is from a Joff Goddard song um, that was produced by Joe Meek in, I think, 1967. Uh, He's sort of an English countryside songwriter, Um, and it's a very kitschy, cheeky song about aliens visiting earth you know it's such an early point in sci-fi that they're called sky men rather than aliens and i just loved uh i just really loved uh the verse melody so i took that and i combined it with an older song that i'd written with my first band um so it's, it's kind of half that song half this other song and then i wrote a new part in the middle to knit them together so it's it's kind of almost like three songs jammed together. Um, and it's actually from 1963. 63? Yeah. So let's... Uh, Curse my memory. Yes. So here we are, and we're going to play this song from Motel. Yeah. 
This next song is called 1924. Uh, it's a birth of... A, I was listening to a lot of Elliot Smith for about a week, and uh, Paul and I had a weird childhood where we generally were only shown like old movies from the 40s and 50s and 60s and like old TV shows from the 50s and 60s by our parents. So we grew up listening to a lot of um, you know, I guess it was pop music of the time during World War II and et cetera. So Boogie Woogie uh, Bugle Boy from Company B was very much a song that was always stuck in my head. And this song is, you know, kind of maybe stealing a little bit from that song, uh, but then uh, combining it with um, sort of the lovelorn, nostalgic sadness of like an Elliot Smith. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and I like this one, and uh, this is one of the ones we're going to play the full song of, so enjoy. You know, I was just thinking that song reminded me of hanging out in the motel, but it also reminds me of the fact that this isn't the first show I've ever created 
back when we were really little, I don't remember how old we were, you and I created a talk show called The Weird Day. And we had a series of cassette tapes. I think we made like 12 Weird Day episodes, I think. And I think they're still existing somewhere in our parents' place. Who knows? But um, They're gone. They don't like, exist. It's a, it was a weird day. And then we would like interview our, our, each other about our weird days. So And our cousins, too. And our cousins, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of weirdness going on as I tried to imitate talk show hosts or something like that at the time. Um, but anyway, I just thought about that because we're interviewing. Uh, we've got two songs left to share part of it with you. This next song is called Vacant, which is uh, a lot of people are really liking this song of the ones I wrote on the album. It's very upbeat and positive with kind of an existential bridge. And and it's about, you know, kind of a vacancy um, in your life when somebody you haven't seen in a while comes back or kind of a vacancy in the motel is what it reminded me of. And I'll get a little bit into this one because I wrote this one um, after a really big tragic event that occurred. Uh, I was living in Arizona at the time, and I had hung out multiple times with Derek and Amy Ross, who were known as Nowhere Man and a Whiskey Girl. And, um, you know, we had played shows together, and we weren't like good friends, really, but we had played shows together multiple times, and I'd hung out with them and whatever. And I didn't know that she had some sort of sickness, and her heart got weakened, and then she died uh, in a hospital suddenly uh, when she was 40. And then the next day, Derek uh, killed himself, and uh, he was friends with a bunch of people I was friends with. They both were, and they were in Bisbee, Arizona at the time, in Tucson. Um, And then I got the news the next day, and everyone was just really uh, upset about it. And I just didn't know what to do with that, because some of my friends who uh, used to play shows with them had already moved down to Tucson and Bisbee from Phoenix, and I talked to a couple friends about it, but it was just a lot to process. So felt like there was a vacancy in my life uh, with them gone. And then I kind of wrote this chorus, um, understand what you're given for free as you run and you play and you live for today, for tomorrow we die. It's a gift in the ca- in the hand that you can't understand a moment in time. Don't sleep the day away, open the shades and say thank you for life. So it was just like kind of like that existential feeling when somebody dies and then, you know, the tragic end of her uh, husband Derek right after that who was obviously devastated so then it was also kind of like uh, bringing up just a, different thoughts about my life so I kind of wrote an upbeat song about that uh, incident and it was uh, oddly inspired by a Kelly Stoltz song which sounds nothing like this but he's one of my favorite artists I had him on a different podcast but anyway uh, I know that sounds like a grim way to start a song but I uh, you know I think this song has a lot of feeling in it, so I just wanted to play it for you. Don't sleep the day away, open the shades and say thank you for life. Oh, no, no. I said it's vacant, and do you remember me? I said what's shaking, and do Remember me, oh Isn't it right? 
So the last song in the album, Room 5, uh, going all the way back uh, to perhaps the origin of the album, but we'll never know. We don't know. Um, room 5 was literally a room in the motel that uh, became an extension of the house. It's still basically the living room. If we ever go visit mom and dad, like that is the living room where we hang out. And it was also like you lived in the back of room five and during... When I was 16, I demanded emancipation from the regular part of the house. Yes. And I essentially said, I'm no longer sharing a room with my brother. And we actually at that time had put tape down the middle of our room. At your behest. Which is so cliche, but hilarious in and of itself. And then I moved into that room and actually it had a lock. You could actually lock the parents out because it had like a door that went through the office. And I did that a few times. I got in trouble and had people over and whatever. I actually kind of lived there and all my friends were jealous. Like, you moved out. It's like your own apartment. Oh my gosh. You know, the only problem is my parents were right next door. So if I had certain people over, they'd just come knocking or call the motel phone, which is so loud and obnoxious. It does not have an answering machine, so it could just ring for Forever. 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, it sounds like a siren, and they're in every room. I think they're still there, and you can dial yeah. out free phone calls, just like any other motel or hotel. They've got those black phones at the newer hotels. So this is an old school uh, beige phone, and... Uh, so mom would wake me up by calling that. So I learned to just take it off the hook and then she'd get mad at me. So anyway, um, and then just a lot of strange people stayed in room five, I think, before strange. We had some families living there yeah, that were there, there's a kitchenette. There's a kitchenette there in there. There's a kitchenette. And like a back part of it. It's a kind of a large, I think a lot of illegal construction went on for that. Oh, yeah. For that. Very not, for that up, room. not up to code. Um, but yeah, the the composing of this song was interesting because you just have that uh, kind of almost theme more than anything you know chords you go back and forth on the keyboard and then uh we just improvised everything in this song was improvised all the lyrics vocal lines harmonies you know we went back and doubled some stuff um but then it it just kind of got built up chopped up rearranged Things kept, things thrown away into sort of a giant uh, musical collage uh, that uh, our producer uh, put together out of what we did. And then, you know, yeah. And the cool thing, yeah, in Jupiter Jones, uh, as he prefers to be called, at the center of the universe is his recording studio, which will remain uh, placeless. Uh, and and uh, unless you want to contact him, you can email us. But basically... Um, this song was improvisation while we were actually thinking about memories of the motel and specifically room five. So we were thinking about every memory and we improvised like seven or eight takes each. And then um, Jupiter took all of those takes, kind of mixed them up. And then we made a, a big uh, a mix of it. And then um, a bunch of friends played on it. And actually at uh, this actually sounds about, about like five or six different songs. So it's the mm-hmm. same key, same chords, but it's done in about five to six different styles, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. The drums change dramatically, completely different styles throughout the song. So it's a very long song. We won't play much of it for you um, here on the podcast, but I think it's a fun one, but it's also probably the most odd, different piece, almost like a jazz piece, almost like that. Yeah, there's um, rock, there's jazz. But a lot of these vocals were first take. And then we went back over them and harmonized or did some um, 
some doubling, but it was all pretty much one take as it sounds. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun one. Lots of weird, weird imagery. So here you go. Sitting on the armchair of the universe Couldn't be worse I just realized we had shouted out most of the players on the album. We call them the Motel Players. But Jim Rockwood actually played drums on that last track. And uh, we should talk about uh, some of the other musical projects. So Chris Kennedy is in a band called No Volcano. You can find them on Bandcamp, novolcano.bandcamp.com. Dan Julian is in every band in Chicago Mm -hmm. and Grand Rapids because we lived in Chicago. Actually, we were in the same band for a while in Chicago and uh, lived near each other in Chicago. Uh, and also when we went to uh, university together. So uh, he is in a band called The Glorious Oranges here in Grand Rapids, and he's also in a band called The Impulsive Hearts in Chicago, and I think several other bands that I can't remember at the moment. And, um, yeah, 
And of course, we talked about Conrad already, and Sean, I don't think, is in a band right now. No, he was in a number of bands in Grand Rapids. He was in Lazy Genius, which still exists. Uh, but yeah, he makes solo music from time to time, and yeah. So yeah, um, this album was a lot of fun to make, and also a lot of work. Um, but I think <laughs> for me, this was probably the most... Uh, the end product is the most listenable to me. I actually have made a lot of music projects, and this one is actually fun for me to listen back to because I like how how well it turned out, and it kind of sounds like a cohesive album to me. And you know, it's a concept album about our uh, about our childhood. So for me, it was really gratifying to be able to make this album, and I'm glad we stuck with it because technically, it it was written over the course of ten years, although. The reason it took so long to record, a lot of was because of budgetary reasons, because yeah. it's not really a lucrative thing to make music these days unless you're uh, able to draw a large audience. So anyway. Um, Catch 22. Yeah. I'm able to uh, make more albums. I'm working on two albums right now, and a third I was in the writing phase. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, working on that because it's something I love to do as a passion project. And it's one of the ways that I promote mental health, which obviously this podcast is about stories and philosophy and mental health and psychology. And expressive arts are one of the best ways to express yourself um, and can really help people um, express their emotions, which is very important to mental health. So I know that Tim, a.k.a. Types has multiple projects going on. Did you want to talk about the album or any of your projects? Well, there's a bunch of stuff happening right now. Um, definitely going to be doing some live streams if you find me on Facebook or YouTube. Um, and I've got four singles that I'm working on right now. I'm hoping to get them all out this summer. Uh, Shackles, Unaccountably Insane, Rock Bottom in Shanghai, uh, and some other ones that will remain under the wraps. But yeah, if you're checking out my Spotify, if you're checking out my YouTube, which is types with four Ts, because why not? Any of the places you can find me, the, some of those songs will be showing up in the next couple months. Yeah, so we're always doing more music, and uh, Tim is uh, working on making different types of music. So you have electronic uh -huh. music, <laughs> pop music, throwback music, a hip-hop song... Uh, that you help produce. Yeah. Um, Maybe some more hip-hop songs. We'll see about that, yeah, too. Yeah, and also these new songs have a little bit of an 80s vibe to them, so they're very different. Yeah. I like that. And of and guitar songs, all, all types of songs. So check Tim out. Add him to your Spotify playlist. Add my artist name, Paul, P-A-W-L. I, I will say this on the record. I am registered. My pseudonym is registered with the American Songwriters and Composers Union, ASCAP, as P-A-W-L, which I registered over 10 years ago. Years before this years before upstart rascal from Europe, Sweden, Paul, DJ Sweden. Paul. Uh, he, that's how he was registered. And then I took some of my music off Spotify, and he must have thought I disappeared, and so then he just dropped the DJ. But I'm um, sorry, bro, I've had that name registered for a long time. So luckily we have got along fine. So there's two Pauls on Spotify. One is DJ Paul, and the other one is me, P-A-W-L. And I've been actually making music under that name since 2003. I have evidence of that. But anyway. Uh, drama, drama, dramas, drama. Dramas. And the, yeah, there's no no other types that we know about. Um, but there so, was, No, there was, there's a jazz band in the South with one T 
uh, but I don't know if they still exist. That's okay. We can all be friends. There's there's enough room on the internet for everyone. So our, our links to our music will be in the show notes. And actually, if you want, you can buy a physical copy of the album Motel. Uh, on CD, we're maybe thinking about records later this year, depending on if we get some more press for this um, coming out. Uh, but uh, we, with the CD, you get a button that you can put on your backpack or your <gasps> coat or something with the album art and or and stickers. Yes, um, that Shiny. will be mailed to you via media mail. Shiny buttons and stickers, and it's real for a low, printing. low price, and you can find that out. I believe eleven ninety nine is that what we're retailing for, or twelve? Something it's drastically like undercharging. It's, yeah. So feel free to it's pay ten dollars plus shipping. Basically. Pay way more if you want. Yeah. Um, but then Please if do. you if you don't want to pay for it, you can listen to it for free on Bandcamp or preferably on some sort of streaming service: Amazon, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Napster. Deezer, who does does anyone have Deezer? Deezer, if, if you're, you in listen Europe. to stuff on Deezer, in please email either of us and explain what it is, why you use. I've just confused. I've gotten royalties from Deezer. Okay, okay, I've got just, I've got like four dollars from Deezer because one of people, my songs got listened to a lot on Deezer. Some people wonder about the moon landing. I wonder about Deezer. I think it's a real thing. Also, now on YouTube which also sends royalties. I put all the songs on YouTube. Oh, fun stuff. We're making music videos for this yes. that we're hoping over the next probably two years at this pace, we will have when a music I... video for about every song on the album. Um, one is being made right now for Vacant um, by a local artist, and I'm really excited about that one. And uh, I think this summer we'll probably try to start production but, of course, the worldwide quarantine has slowed down some of our production due to having to relearn how to live life. So, fun times. But if you're bored, quarantined, check out the album. Share it with your friends. Share other music. And you can listen to it all for free on the internet. You can use it as a tiny plate. Yes, you can use the CD as a tiny yeah. plate. You can. There's lots of things you can do yeah. with it. So, um all right. I appreciate the shameless promotion of uh, artists. You know, when an artist gets paid, it's like, I don't know. It's all the holidays wrapped into one. But it's not about the money for us. It's about the passion. That's why we keep doing it all the time, not getting paid. <laughs> it's actually about the money for me. But yeah. the passion's a good, it's a good bonus. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, <laughs> fun times talking about everything. We've been very, uh, maybe too open, but that's our style. So, I uh, hope you like it, and um, <laughs> we'll get back to psychology and philosophy on the next episode, but of course, music is important, so I've had four or five music episodes, and thanks for listening. Bye! There you have it. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it. Thank you so much for allowing me to bring you a story from my life that has helped me through many times. I was reflecting the other day about the fact that I started writing this album in 2011, and I released other music and had a lot of life changes. I got married between 2011 and 2020. I moved several times, and I started a new counseling business and became a clinical supervisor. So a lot of changes happened um, during that time in my life and I felt that the art project of having an album to make about a certain topic really helped me have something sacred to focus on, something away from it all. 
and gave me some time to reflect, so I very much enjoyed it. I believe music is very important. If you've heard some of the other episodes, you can go back on my playlist. There is an interview with Kelly Stoltz. There is an episode about my grandfather, who is a prolific piano player, and a few others where you will hear about music, because I believe music is part of the world philosophy. As I've said before, if you're a music player, you can go anywhere in the world and sit down with somebody and find common ground, especially another musician. Or if you play music for people, it doesn't matter what language you're speaking or where you're from, people gravitate towards it. I believe music is a very integral and important part of our life and our cultural heritage as humans. So I will probably have more music episodes uh, coming up at some point. And in the show notes of all my episodes, you can see what music I utilized and find out the artist's name and the song title. And you can go, I usually have a clickable link to go to their Spotify or their YouTube. In terms of the album that we are talking about, you can listen to that absolutely free on Spotify without a subscription. You just have to download Spotify or you can actually look it up on YouTube now. And which is absolutely free to stream the entire album. If you want higher sound quality, that is when you have to download the album from Bandcamp or buy the CD because then you'll get the wave quality sound, so it'll sound like a record. Uh, whereas otherwise, you're streaming it reduces some of the audio quality. And obviously, at this episode, I was compressing the audio, so the songs do not sound as good as they would if you actually had them on your stereo and had the wave version or the CD version. So anyway, I appreciate you sharing this podcast with people that you know like music or even the album itself. Thanks so much for indulging me. Until the next time on The Intentional Clinician, I'm wishing you all a safe and peaceful week. Now for the announcements. I am still an Emdria consultant in training. If you are interested in EMDR therapy and becoming a certified EMDR therapist through the EMDR International Institute and Association, let me know and you can find out more on counselingsupervisorgr.com. In the middle of all the changes in the world, the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association is still working to provide quality mental health services statewide, increasing education and promoting best practices and working to keep licensed professional counselors and other professionals accessible by the public. There is a lot of debate going on about the police and what their role should be. And one of the things the Michigan Mental Health Counselors Association, along with other organizations, are promoting is that more therapists and social workers are utilized for mental health calls so that the police can focus on their more narrow scope of what they need to be doing and that um, the vast majority of mental health calls would be handled by licensed professionals um, who would only utilize police as a backup instead of police responding as they have not as much training on what to do in those situations. So that's something we've been talking about and I know that the organization has been talking with the state about what we can do about that but the talks are still obviously in the uh, preliminary stages. So write your congressperson, talk about mental health professionals becoming more aligned in terms of being first responders. Um, and that way we can have a safer community. Uh, there's a lot more to be said on that. I won't even go into it, but there's many plans about how people would like to have more uh, community officers and different things that are different than the current model of um, 
the police just doing everything uh, in, in from traffic to the criminal side to whatever. Uh, I think we need to really expand our vision of that. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss, and while these are based upon the literature he has read and his experience in the field and in this episode, his life, they should not be viewed as the definitive opinion on any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you are in a crisis, please dial 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you are a young person of color and you're feeling down, stressed, or overwhelmed, text STEVE, that's S-T-E-V-E, to the number 741741. That's Steve to 741741, and a live trained crisis counselor will respond to you. If you are in need of counseling, no matter your situation, age, or background, do not hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor in your area. Make sure that they are a licensed professional counselor and not a life coach. Make sure that they are licensed and have a good standing in the community. You can also make an appointment with an excellent clinician in the Grand Rapids area at Health for Life Grand Rapids and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting the website www.healthforlifegr.com. That's Health for Life, GR is in Grand Rapids, .com. If you are in the state of Michigan and you do not have a counselor in your area that you align with, we are now open to doing online counseling in the state of Michigan if your situation and our counselors can line up just give us a call at 616-200-4433 or again go to healthforlifegr.com and inquire about online counseling all right if you are enjoying the content please subscribe and or share and or leave us a rating on itunes thanks so much this has been paul kraus of the intentional clinician podcast